Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. And I am your other host, Daniel Colburn. And today's episode is brought to you by Honey Badger and Backblaze. Thank you, Honey Badger and Backblaze. Thanks, y'all. So, Decol. What's up? We tweeted out 15 minutes ago, uh, what should we talk about today? Yes. And we got some responses. We sure did. And one of them was Laravel 6. Yeah. Uh, So Laravel 6 is, I think, official today. Um, At the time of recording, I don't think tagged, but by the time you hear this, we'll be tagged. Um, And uh, yeah, so today is the great Titan package upgrading. So everyone is sitting around upgrading packages to be compatible with Laravel 6. Nice. Someone made a pull request for Ziggy, so it was literally very little work for me. nice yes very good um yeah so today's a big day uh, laricon eu is going on and taylor launched laravel 6 on stage um and marcel and spot and um frake unleashed revealed uh flare app and ignition which they have been teasing for some time now yes um and yeah so i think that's probably probably the most interesting thing to talk about would be we can go through some of the laravel 6 features and talk about what's new in laravel 6 before we do that my my personal like thoughts on it is like like as soon as let's talk about laravel 6 i thought why like is there anything that different like isn't it just yeah uh, that's kind of the whole point with it is right like Getting you used to the fact that big numbers don't mean big changes. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's perfect. That is probably one of the biggest changes. Laravel is now semantically versioned. So what is it? Every year will be a new whole number or every half yeah. year? Uh, I think every... No, wait. No. Uh Mm, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Who knows? But basically, the whole like number scheming system, like 5.8.12, is now shifting over. So before the numbers, the big number, basically, to Taylor, meant like era. The era. Yeah. Yeah. So like four was the era I entered into. Anybody who's three is like, it's like you played RuneScape uh, classic, you know? Like and then four is like if you right, played before RuneScape you could, before like old 3D. school RuneScape, yeah. And then five, you had the Grand Exchange when you entered yeah. RuneScape. I don't know what that is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you were out before then. <laughs> um. Yeah. So they were eras, and now they're not eras. So the problem with that is it's not. It doesn't abide by quote unquote semantic versioning, which is major, minor, patch. So major mm-hmm. dot minor dot patch. So if it's a patch fix. It's uh, the third, you know, digit upgraded. If it's a minor fix, not a breaking change, then it's the second digit. And if it's a breaking change, then it's going to be the first digit. Um, Well, right now you get breaking changes like from 5.6 to 5.7 to 5.8. There's breaking changes. There's an upgrade guide. There's release notes. Well, there's release notes for everything, but there's a whole upgrade guide and a whole thing that you need to do to upgrade. Um, And now that's going to be the whole number. So... So as 5.7 was to 5.8, 6 will be to 7. Am I right in saying yep. that? Yes, that's correct in my mind. Okay. 
and th- this has been like a point of contention for a while where a lot of people I've been I've witnessed this firsthand people like taking dumps on Laravel because it's not semantically versioned and it causes like like breaking changes leak into the app and it's complete and utterly misinformed like there is zero difference the numbers are just in different places there's zero difference yep yep so all right. Yeah, you can tell it was just one of those things where it was like, well, if I change it, then I don't have to ever hear about it again. Yeah, you wore Taylor <laughs> down. Yep. <laughs> uh, talk to me about uh, Flare App, but also talk to me about Ignition. Yeah, so they're interrelated. Um, so Ignition is going to be the new whoops page for Laravel. Whoa. Um, yeah. So Laravel 6, I believe, will have Ignition by default, maybe? I don't actually know this. I should know this. <laughs> but let's just say that it, it'll be a common uh it'll be a common package to install in a project if it's not included by default. But I think it is. Um and if it's not, I think it will be soon. And then Flare is a SaaS app that uh it's an exception handled except in exception error reporting app like honey badger or bug snag or sentry um yeah and what so you're saying ignition's a package though so it's not in core yeah right now it's a package um yeah so it's not in core the same way that that like the whoops you know whoops is imported and that symphony is important you know like in that sense it's a separate package but it might appear to be in core or it might be, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And ignition itself, uh, I'm actually really excited about, I think it's one of those things that like whoops was a big, uh, improvement over the default symphony, like stack trace thing. So to be clear, what I'm talking about, if an exception gets thrown inside a Laravel app, you see a whoops page. If your debugging is set to true. Right, and you see like yep. a stack trace, and the default yep. symphony one is super bare bones. It's an error, and then it's a stack trace. Um, so I don't remember what version that whoops was added, um, and I think it's called whoops. I don't know, but and there's a, been multiple whoopses too. Yeah, right. Um, so the the current one does better, fancier things. It gives you some information about um, about the scope of like if an exception is thrown in a, in a function and deals with like a variable, it'll show you the value of that variable when it happens. Um, and it's just nicer. There's like a little button to click like a Google logo or a stack overflow logo and it'll like search Google or stack overflow for your exception. Um, yeah, it's just nicer in a lot of ways. And, uh, yeah, no, that's it. So, um, so ignition is Laravel knowledgeable. So it's like if Laravel had its own thing, this is what it would be. Um, so now it can take advantage of everything that Laravel has to offer and know about Laravel internal stuff. And the things that I'm most excited about, one, an obvious improvement is not showing the framework uh, parts of the stack trace. So the mm-hmm. parts of the stack trace that are like, you know, when you get an exception and you're looking through the stack trace and it's like most route like, dispatcher, like, right, right, right. <laughs> middleware, run middleware. Or like belongs to many. <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that, right? So you end up 
you know, sort of like where the exception is thrown might be deep down the framework and you have to sort of dig your way out until you find the first, like, until you find your controller, you know. Right. And And, that is always something that could have been done automatically, but just wasn't. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. Um, So that seems like one of those obvious improvements that you're like, oh, yeah, that's way better. Great. So now the stack trace by default will only show app parts of the stack trace. So if there's an error in your controller, but the actual exception is thrown downstream, you'll see the line that that you're, you know, that was in your controller. It's Um, funny that, so the, it looks like Flare is made by Facade. And it, their website is facade.company is a joint venture between Beyond Code and Spotsy. Mm-hmm. So they made like a new company called Facade. Nice. Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, that's funny. But that's like such a good name for the company. I know. It is really good. It's probably <laughs> going to raise a lot of red flags with the, the local government. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Any other major Laracon EU things that we should cover? Well, I want to finish covering Ignition because I think there's a ton oh. of cool stuff there. So Ignition has that. The other um, the other offering that it seems also seems obvious and is really great. If you if an exception is thrown out of a blade view, you won't mm-hmm. get the compiled view. You'll get the actual blade oh, view. Oh good. Yeah. That's so this is good. these are both things that I imagine trip up newcomers all the time. And they're just yes. annoying for everyone else. Yep. Um, when an exception is thrown inside a blade view, for the listener, code is never run in a in the blade view file, like the .play.php. It's always compiled to a .php file that lives in like storage framework views, and then it's like compiled there. Um, and the name is some hash, some random string. So you look at you know you see the error and you look at the name of the file, and it's you know like useless to you, like you yeah so. Um, and then you see the error and you see like open PHP. A bunch of brackets. random PHP, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, where's the blade syntax? So now uh-huh. Ignition will fill in the gaps and show you blade, you know. Awesome. Yeah. So that's a big that improvement. That's very nice. Um, and then there's a bunch of other things that just kind of make it like an ex- like uh, how if, how, like Honey Badger, when there's, an, you know, when you um, report an exception to honey badger you see like details about the user details about the request and the session and everything um, you can now see that right in ignition like in in the whoops page there'll be a tab that's like that's pretty cool yeah so like user request um yeah a bunch of things and like so that presumably so, the main the main selling point for flare is that it hooks into all of this same data in the sas yeah yeah i'm interested to see what unique offerings they give um because right now launched yet i guess like yeah i don't know because the things that they're sort of showcasing maybe some of the things would be like route parent like intel into route parameter binding or something (laughs) like like they can access more laravel specific things but um but i i'm not exactly sure and i don't know like i don't really anticipate um not needing something like bug snag honey badger or sentry because most people need javascript exception handling um, yeah. and those packages are just like hardened by fire and have all these integrations so maybe right. eventually flare will get uh will get there maybe it's there out of the box who knows we'll have to try it and see but it's not even available yet so we don't know word 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 yeah man um yeah yeah so what else is new in laravel 6 
I don't really know, dude. Like, this is the thing with Laravel 6. I have felt this whole time like nothing major was really happening in Laravel 6, and I should just hang out, and it would be an easy upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Okay, so Lazy Collections. Um, I think Ooh, I could scroll I down to this. actually find out what that means, but I'm guessing that means... Gen- yep, generators. Yeah, this seems obvious to me as well. Like, I've thought, why doesn't, why isn't, why aren't collections driven by generators first? What does then... that mean, Caleb? So, generators uh, is this weird higher level programming concept that's a little bit hard to wrap your head around. Um, but the the problem statement is, if you have a thousand database records, if you have ten thousand database records. And I do. You do. You do. And you put them into a PHP array. You've now loaded them into memory in PHP. And you often will run into memory limit issues. Um, I often will. Yeah. So any like giant hunks of data, when they're put into an array, they you get these memory related issues but you need them in an array to do for for eaching you know to like loop through them they have to be in some sort of you know data structure and in php that's an array um and yeah and it it uh is super super duper memory intensive uh, especially ones that like grow as as you loop and as you loop as you have other loops that like transform that array and create more arrays yeah so it's not a super everyday common problem, but um, but it definitely is a very real thing. Big pieces of data when you're and transforming. And collections giant... are a place where you're going to run into that. What's that? And collections are a place where you're going to run into that for sure. Yeah, definitely. So the one solution is to chunk things, like get sets of data out of your database, do the work, get another set, do more work. Um, but so generators uh, alleviate this problem. Basically... How do I best explain this? If you think of a better explanation, cut me off. But instead of, so in the loop, in the loop, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. So like when you're looping through, this is totally unprepared and I haven't thought about generators in like a year. But you're, Good. let's say you have a Same. giant array and it's called money sign chunk of like huge, money sign huge array. So you for each money sign huge array as item. And then yep. you deal with it inside of there. You could have money sign and so that that money sign huge collection of whatever is just a pure array you could Mm -hmm. also have a generator or i think it's like an iterator aggregate whatever you could have some magical php thing that looks like an array but as you for each through it it doesn't store it all in memory it retrieves each one every time so Mm -hmm. it's like it it like keeps the memory free and it just like calls upon the things it needs as it comes to them in the for each loop. So the, the piece of syntax is called yield. And like, as I'm describing it, I, I just know that I don't have enough, like it's not, it's not in my for the forefront of my mind enough to be able to explain this well. Um, but I guess the basic concept is it's a reverse way of thinking where you program a yield. It's like just in time. It's exactly. like just in time arrays. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And that's why it's called lazy, lazy collections. So it doesn't load it all up front, which would be eager, which is what collections currently do. It would get the things as it needs them out of and using PHP's generators, you know, yields and stuff like that. Yeah. Very 
Cool. It's a cool little programming exercise for anybody who's interested to just like Google like simple generator example in PHP and just write like a tiny little generator that you can loop through. It's fun. It's generator. Um, do people ever use that for SDKs? What do you mean? I don't know. It just seems to me like you could uh, use that for like SDKs for foreign APIs or something and potentially save yourself some something or other. I guess you would end up making more HTTP requests though, so it wouldn't be good. But oh, for like I could each. I could see a scenario where like you could you could like use generators to save you some some uh like maybe you cache some things, you know, but you haven't you don't have all of them cached. Right. I don't know. Yeah, like I mean you're sort of saying that you could hypothetically call on an API during every for each iteration. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then, you would, then you would be calling on an API during every for each. Yeah. Which, you but know, the concept being problems. that you have, you have total domain over what happens every time an object yep. is iterated. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which is sweet. Yep. It is sweet. It's sweet. So it's sweet. So that's cool. Lazy collections. Yep. Um, subquery improvements. I think this is all the stuff that Jonathan Renning's been driving. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Subquery God, Jonathan Renning. That's right. He is the God of subqueries. You know, what's an interesting thing to talk about. We could talk about, um, SQL views. Tell me what that is. Cause I don't know what that is. Oh, great. So SQL views are basically like, as a computed property is in a view component, yes. SQL views are tables that are generated on the fly. Okay. So you can define a view in MySQL. Any SQL server type engine has views. Um, sure. You define the schema, but you derive it from queries. So you get a table that you can access so as a basically table. basically like your select chunk becomes your schema yeah exactly yep uh-huh and internally it's it's not i think it's not as i would hope like i would hope that like it does some crazy caching temporary storage stuff so you could take massively complex queries and make them super trans uh or performant with views but i think it's not like that much more performant than like subqueries i think it's like subqueries under the hood gotcha. um but it's awesome because this allows you to have a view that you can then create a Laravel model, an eloquent model off of. Oh, weird. Yeah. So I was talking about this with Max because um, he he's currently in like a legacy-ish app. Like mm-hmm. by legacy, I mean a big app that's used in the real world that's super important and deals with money and isn't yeah. his perfect world, <laughs> you know? Sure. So there's lots yeah, of... Yeah, you know, that legacy code, like a business. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> right, like a thriving, like, startup. <laughs> it is a like startup. Like a business that was founded six months ago. <laughs> That's great. Oh, so yeah, so it's, um, it's real code in the real world. <laughs> And the schema is not exactly what he wants, so he so eloquent doesn't work. Real exactly code has how he curves, Caleb. What's that? Real code has curves. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, code positive. Uh, <laughs> we're code positive here at No Plans. We're code much. positive. Um, so Max, he believes this. This is unideal, and I'm, everybody listening to this has been in the situation where you have an eloquent, like you have a schema set up, and you're retrofitting it into eloquent, and eloquent doesn't do what you want it to do because your schema is not right. So you can't have that relationship that you want to have. You can't use the the many to many because it's not a pivot table, right? Like right. this is a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have two options. Well, you have three options. I've seen people just use Query Builder everywhere for things, or you can hack Eloquent if you're you know looking to go down rabbit holes. You can like do crazy things to Eloquent, like I would say Jonathan Reining's subquery magic is. Um, some of his eloquent like uh, aggregation stuff you -hmm. know like subquery relationships and stuff it's the same Mm -hmm. idea but it you know you're like really pushing eloquent Um, and then the other solution that is rarely talked about I've never heard it talked about is using MySQL views where you would create a view that is your perfect schema derived from your horrid schema and then you have an eloquent model that you can use ideally you know yep and what I like about it, having never done it, I'm talking like I'm talking about it like I've done it, but I haven't. But what I like about the concept is uh, it kind of conforms with that. Like, uh, I don't know if Adam's the one who first said this, but Adam's the one I heard first say this about testing that you should just write the code you want to write. Yeah, yeah. Designed by wishful thinking, API yeah. driven development. Yeah, and like that to me, like it lets you do that, right? Like you can just write the code you yeah. want to write and then figure out what query you have to, or what view you have to build to to design the world in that way. Yep. Yeah, definitely. It it's all falls sick. under that, my like way overused declarative term that it's like declarative, like you're declaring an outcome, an ideal outcome, and then yep. programming to it, um, which is great. I mean, the one, so the reason that this isn't a cure for all Laravel apps. Is, is that because... you still have all those ugly database tables. Oh, that's true. That is one reason. The other reason is that it's read-only. So Right, right, right. So you can't write back to it. Yep. And it's not as performant as normal tables because you're running queries. <laughs> I bet um, Jonathan Rennick could figure out a way for us to write back to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, he's working on it right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I think that's sweet. Like, as, if any, like, as a strategy for... Um, for refactoring like a legacy app, you could create an ideal view that's derived from your actual canonical data, write some eloquent to it, and then, you know, migrate. Uh, then you could do a data migration after you're sure that everything's using the derived view. So for reporting and stuff like that, this would be great because it's all read-only. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, That could be very cool. So that could just be like, man, I love... I love doing stuff like that. Me and Samantha on so many projects have done things like that where you do a big pull request, just a massive pull request that changes nothing. Uh, and then one tiny pull request that changes everything. Mm. Make the you easy change. Saying? Make the easy change. Yeah. Like you just, you've got like a thing with like Make changes the change in like, right. I've got that sticker on my mouse pad now, by the way. Sweet. It's beautiful. I love it. Nice. Uh, it is also entered into my dialogue with my therapist 
uh, we now do it. I mean, that's that one concept. of those life philosophy quotes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give him a sticker. Um, but, uh, yeah, like we'll do like a pull request that has like changes to like 170 files, you know, just like one of these massive, massive pull requests, right? Where like you have to fix a bunch of tests because everything broke, you know? Yeah. But like you just push this giant thing up, right? Yeah. But the thing didn't change. The database table didn't change or like the API version didn't change or whatever. And then you just push up one pull request that changes an ENV variable. And then boom, you're live. Everything's fine. Yeah. I love that. That's one of the best feelings in programming. I agree. I agree. And it's not, it's not your reflex, but yeah, when you choose to do it, it's amazing because what you're working on, because you're primarily concerned with making the change easy, yeah. you're not bogged down with any sort of anything except for, I don't know, you're just preserving behavior. So you're truly refactoring. It's not like you're refactoring and building something new at the same time, which is, you know, how how yeah. you get, how you make concessions. Um, it's dope. We recently have been writing a bunch of commands uh, that like run on data. Okay. Um, boy, is that a good feeling when you run a command and it affects four thousand users and nothing breaks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing breaks. That is a real good feeling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a. It feels like kind of a similar thing because it's something where like you push code up and nothing happens, yeah. right? Until you actually go run the command. Yeah. I don't know. I like commands a lot. I do not. Really? Yeah, I don't. What's what's your beef with commands? There any anything even jobs and crons anything anything outside even events and listeners all of those things I like less than normal runtime code because they cuz hmm they're all powerful but uh, but yeah, like writing a command, you're you're writing functionality that's gonna that's meant to be run once or maybe a couple times. Yep. Right. Yep. And you have to like r- run it against some test piece like hunk of data. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a good strategy. I just don't like doing it because it's more risky. Like you said, like it it all went well, but what if it didn't go well? <laughs> yeah, but like I I I think it's like a particular. You ever have we talked on the podcast about the the programmers who write the code on the on the International Space Station? I don't know. All right, there was a Wired article several years ago that has been stuck in my brain forever about this company uh, in Houston that is contracted to basically maintain the software that runs the international space station okay uh the software when printed out on paper uh fills like several of these large binders right yeah these sort of multi-inch thick yeah so it's probably like you know it's probably like a good foot and a half of code (laughs) Uh, (laughs) okay yeah and 
they know that because deployment requires that they print out these binders and everyone in the company goes through and reviews their section of the code printed out (laughs) because you only have one international space station (laughs) right (laughs) and it costs billions of dollars to get it to where it is right now and we can't just like spin down an aws instance and spin it back up right like it's the most production environment possible you know yeah and so they when they need to make a small change there's a hundred people involved right and it's like the most qa'd most hardcore thing because like when they launch they launch you know and the whole the whole deploy is communicated like over microwave up to the international space station and then they they like hash check the checksums of the version locally and the version up there to make sure that the, that no like star interference or whatever messed up the transmission oh my gosh it's crazy that is it's absolutely buck wild um but all that being said the whole thing of the article was basically contrasting like the move fast and break things silicon valley software right well mentality with with this like the most cautious software mentality in the world yep um anyway i feel when i'm writing a command i feel like those people (laughs) (laughs) like i'm writing tests for crazy things yeah you know like i'm writing tests for all sorts of things i like when we just did this big stripe update I was writing a command that I only existed to run in staging to roll back all of the test data so that I could rerun the command again in staging, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- it's just like you just build the world perfectly. You test it locally. You test it in staging. You have automated tests that test all of the side weird side effects. Like, that. I think that's the reason I like commands is that, like, because I need to have so much confidence to push it live like it forces me into these habits that like i kind of wish i could justify spending my actual time like writing like commands just for setting qa up the way i want it you know yeah but i can't always do that but uh when I do it for a command, it just feels like, ooh, this is fun, like, to just, like, be this cautious. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, would you say that what you mean is, like, doing data migrations, like, that kind yeah. of work? Like, it right, isn't right. necessarily the nature of a command, just... It's not necessarily the nature of the command. It's it's a high risk. I just, I guess yeah. I just like risk. I like to live on the edge, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I think there's some big perks with that. I think... When I hear you say that, when I think about how I feel about that stuff, and I think I think I can put myself in those shoes and feel that way, where you feel like a code laborer, like you feel like you're managing an op, like the operation is specific, the outcome is specific, you have to make it safe, you have to test, you know, you're like, I don't know, yeah, it feels like you're working on the International Space Station. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's and it not feels like, like agile, move fast, break things. It's not. It's not uh, the the. I think the prop. Like I think it's unideal 
And that's why I think my reaction was just not to like it. Like the international space station is not an agile shop. (laughs) They, They like the, the thing I love most about software is the quick feedback loops and iterative development that any other thing doesn't have because it's not software, you know? Right. Um, so when you do that, you remove all the benefits of software. And now you're just like building houses, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, I, I can't actually figure out what movie I'm thinking of here, but I feel like I've seen a movie where like they build like a big bridge or a big building or something. And then they finally like remove the last support and like the suspension bridge doesn't collapse you know huh like that's how i feel like yeah. it actually feels like a feat of engineering yeah right? like right. it's it's all leading up to this one moment yeah you know yep and it's just like me and the me and the crew we're sitting around like ready to crack our beers and party when it works you know but until that happens it's life and death you know yep and uh we're just we're just trying to you know everyone's just trying to get home safe yeah it's, it is cool there are all the things you're describing camaraderie um all of those things i definitely have had those experiences where it's like it's your mission it's a focused mission mm-hmm. nobody's should wor- you choose to accept it what's that should you choose to accept it should you choose to accept it yeah it's uh it's focused people are all you know on the same thing nobody's questioning uh, you know, it, it's it's like teamwork, um, all those things. There's a defined end point if it goes well, you know, celebrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's the those are the kind of date like when you were done with that, I bet you were like, Yeah, I'm good for the day. I I was good for the week. It was it was uh <laughs> it was great. We came back Monday yep. and ran the command. So we, we like got it all set up and then we're like, All right, should we run it? And we're like, No, it's Friday night, we're not running it. So yep. we came back Monday, ran the command. Everything was beautiful. Nice. That's cool. It yeah, is. that's fun. And I, I think uh, I think probably there's more there's more places where that is the right thing to do than than I think I reach for. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like because data migrations are scary. Oh, totally. But a good data migration done well is can be can be hugely beneficial to your app yeah you know totally yeah future caleb here with a message from the future we forgot to record the sponsor slot in the middle of the episode so we're plugging it in right here uh so let's hear from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by backblaze backblaze is gimmick free unlimited cloud backup for macs and pcs for six dollars per month per computer i use backblaze caleb you use backblaze i do everyone who's anyone uses backblaze dan sheets even uses backblaze dan sheets uses backblaze yeah that man is backed up um (laughs) backblaze (laughs) backblaze is uh it's cloud backup it's super simple it's super cheap and then you just never think about it. And then when you are totally screwed and your life might be over, Backblaze is there. And you're glad you were paying six bucks a month that whole time. That's right. It's cheap. It's uh, easy. It's great. Don't even think about it. Just do it. If you are one of the 11 people who doesn't have Backblaze installed on their computer, 
you should go to backblaze.com forward slash n-p-t-m b-a-c-k-b-l-a-z-e dot c-o-m slash n-p-t-m that stands for no plans to merge ah okay um yeah it's uh it's super great they uh they have restored over 40 billion files so wrap your head around that one that is amazing if it was 20 billion i wouldn't recommend them yep uh backblaze.com backblaze slash n p t m thank you backblaze and thank you to our other sponsor honey badger who gives you error reporting for your apps so this is funny uh i did a code audit yesterday and uh i peaked poked peaked in the handler.php file of this app and saw a bare naked render and report method and thought wait a minute they are running a production application with no error reporting this is madness so that was a big point and my biggest point of the whole thing basically was like first step go to honey and so i literally was like and i you know i had no like incentive to recommend honey badger to this company but i'm like seriously here are the options go to honey badger and it will take you one and a half minutes to get your app completely up and running and reporting errors in production and so there's like this whole room of people that i'm explaining the value of error reporting to and uh yeah so it's for real if you don't have error reporting that is bizarre to me i imagine you do but if you don't you definitely should have it because that's how you know when stuff goes wrong and who it went wrong for and how often it goes wrong and how to fix the thing that went wrong sort of and when it started going wrong that's a key piece of information it is it is very key um so super duper useful mandatory for every app and i personally like honey badger because it's simple it's by a small team it's well designed it uses turbo links the customer support is insane you get like the founder if you ask any questions on the intercom uh interface and they have a cool tech blog that's good to stay up to date with and they offer all the things that anybody else offers that i would need so it's perfect and it's Laravel friendly. The setup is better than the than uh, than c- competitors' setups. This is me riffing, by the way. I think that because they give you a command to run to set it all up instead of like having to copy and paste like keys and places and stuff like that, which is sweet. Or no, they give you a command to initiate the first error to make the connection and say like, "Hey, everything worked," um, which I think is a really nice user interface touch. So. That is it. Thank you, Honey Badger, for sponsoring the show. Go sign up. Honeybadger.com slash nothing because we haven't set anything like that up. Yeah. One other cool Honey Badger thing for you Laravel people. Marcel, our good friend, uh, creator of Botman and also uh, Flare, right? Yeah. Um, Built uh, Honey Badger for Laravel Nova, which is a Laravel Nova integration for Honey Badger. So you can get all your... uh, honey badger error output just in your nova dashboard super cool awesome that's awesome yeah savit all right thank you sponsors back to the show sponsors stripe uh strong card authentication is launching september 14th is that the new like two-factor for credit card thing yeah for europe yeah can you catch me up on that I don't really understand. You know, it's one of these things, you know, much love to Europe and their consumer protection instincts. <laughs> you know, gotta yeah. love protecting consumers. 
but but they sure do pass a lot of laws that make programmers do a lot of work (laughs) yes sir so one of them is this one um and basically not every transaction but it's either random or it's transactions that fit like a certain risk profile um stripe has to like double check some stuff um and so that might mean like maybe not every transaction needs a billing address but some of them they might be like uh this one we should probably go get a billing address for yeah um and sometimes you'll have to re-enter your card number it's a whole thing so uh, there's basically two ways to do it. Um, so cashier has been updated to handle SCA. So if you use cashier, which we do on this app, you can do it the cashier way. Cashier has two official documented ways to deal with SCA. One is you can enable uh, billing notifications in Stripe. And then you can just tell them you're going to receive an email from Stripe asking you for further information. Um, yeah, okay. So that's like the least amount of work, but probably worse user interface. Right. Um, and then the a little bit more work thing is that you'll get... Uh, you get a redirect, or you get like a, a URL back from Stripe, and then you redirect them to that URL to fill out a form and then you pass along like a callback URL to redirect them back to after they filled it out. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So that's basically it. It's not bad, but it's definitely, it's a thing. And if you haven't heard about it, you will start hearing about it. Well, if you haven't implemented it by September 14th, (laughs) you will start losing money. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So if you haven't heard about it, let this be you hearing about it. And you've got like, you've got two weeks. So go figure it out. Right. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Um, So that's what my next two weeks are going to be. Hopefully it won't be two weeks. Hopefully it'll be like one day, but we'll see. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, Livewire news. I today am trying to get the session driver written where you'll be able to store. um, So what I ended up doing, catching up the listener in Livewire, uh, if you've seen the counter example, that's what I always go back to. You, there's some initial state that's stored as a public property on the class, like count, you hit a plus button, that state is incremented. That state travels to and from the server and the front end um, in plain text. So, uh, it's not any less secure than your normal AJAX requests, but it's still like somebody can inspect the in the dev tools and see what the data is at any point in time. Because yes. of that, I think it's just generally not a great... And JavaScript needs to be able to use that data in a usable way. So if you... the first One of the first things people try to do is set their set state uh, to public... Sorry, to eloquent models. Um, so they might make like a posts, uh, component and they set Mm -hmm. the public posts property to some collection of post models. 
Right, they set it to user, and then now you're getting password hashes. <laughs> yeah, right. So when I thought about this, my first knee-jerk reaction was, ooh, that just sounds bad. I just don't want to do that. Um, so well, at first, the first functionality was it just casts everything to arrays and JavaScript objects and strings and integers. So any like if you tried to set it to a model, it would be cast to an array because Eloquent does that. And then you would just get the properties in the front end. So a lot of people were like, hey, this works for the first request, for the first render. But then on subsequent requests, it says can't access something on non-object, you know. Right. Um, So that was a big error. Classic. And so I'm like, all right, well, there's a fork in the road. I should let people know. Like, should I just tell people about this? Or what I ended up doing was I wrote an exception that gets thrown if you try to set an eloquent model as a public property or a collection of them. And it says basically that. And so I started getting all these GitHub issues that are like, hey, whoa, I can't set Eloquent as public properties. So this was my defensive Another choice. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist and directs you where to go. Dun, dun. That's right. Good riddance to the old way. Um, mm-hmm. So exceptions... Why did you say that? You had said fork in the road like three okay. sentences before. Okay, gotcha. Um, <laughs> so fork in the road. And I chose the defensive approach where I was just like, I'm just going to not let people do this and yell at them. And that'll be some sort of signal, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the GitHub issues, most people inside of the repo know that there's like a longstanding branch where I'm going to basically fix all this. So I'm working on that feature. And currently the feature would be that you could set protected properties as eloquent models and they would be stored inside of the session on the back end. So the front end wouldn't have access to them, would never see them, wouldn't be involved in the payload, and it would just use Laravel's session driver to dehydrate and hydrate the the components. Um, so anyway, this is the final piece of the LiveWire puzzle. This is the one thing that even before I launched it, I, I wanted to get this done, but I've, you know, we've talked about my, the garbage collection issues and all this stuff. Um, but I'm just realizing that like, I'm stalled out. I'm totally stalled out. And I realize this is the thing that I have to do so that I feel good about recommending LiveWire. This is the one thing that is standing in the way of me being like, I should use LiveWire for, for everything, you know? Wow. That's, I mean, that's a cool place to be. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So what are you stalled out on? What needs... Where can I lend you oh. some... Where can I lend you my ear? Okay, yeah. Well, I I, for, I was stalled out in general on the whole project. Like, I fizzled out on LiveWire Fiddle. I fizzled out on LiveWire. And, by, you know, I everything in my brain is like... All of my phases... The, the frequency of my phases is fast, you know? Yes. So this is like four days of me feeling like... Like, oh, I just have, I don't want to touch any of this stuff. Like, it, and I, so I did some thinking and realized that it's because of this. It's because, because this is hanging over my head. Um, so I decided that, that I need to put it out there, even if it's not exactly perfect in my mind and we'll make it perfect. Sure. Um, and the reason it was stalled out for so long is because of the question of if I'm using sessions this heavily, will I bog people's apps down? You know, mm-hmm. um, so how, do so I have to, it? do they opt into this behavior? And then I have some messaging that's like, Hey, 
By opting into this, Livewire is going to use your sessions. So if you're using the cookie driver, you're going to want to not. You're going to want to use the file driver at least. <laughs> you're going to want to not. Yeah. Or you should use the Redis, a Redis driver or something like that. It's a very, very fast Redis driver. But then, like, this is the first thing that would be core to Livewire that you would have to configure. And that doesn't feel good to me. Mm-hmm. Like, everything in Livewire right now is zero config. There's no config file. Boy, it do just, I love zero config. I, yeah, I do too. So I think, as I'm saying it, I need to hold fast to the zero config. Um, and just, you know, and the session driver by default is file, which works fine for this um wait does that mean that there are no options to configure or just that you don't require configuration by default there are no options (laughs) okay this i had this fight with ziggy i wanted there to be no options yeah there had to be options i know and there will be but (laughs) the hill i died on was there will be no options that i think are a better idea than the default oh oh so yeah yeah. my whole thing is i didn't even you don't even find out so first of all we don't publish a config file and you don't even find out that you could have a config file until the very bottom of the readme (laughs) nice so that's great yeah when i see a vendor publish it's not good for me no do not that's ugly to me very very ugly you're you're bad don't do that you're so bad So yeah, don't vendor publish. That's great though. That's a good philosophy that like if there's a config option that I think is better than the default, there's something wrong. Like that's a giant smell. Yeah. And that applies to this exactly. That this is a better option. And if I put it in a config file, that would be part of the path for everybody. Yeah. You know? And to make that part of the path is friction and ugliness and... Yeah, you you don't want to depend on Redis. No, for sure not. No. Right. Um, and the thing is, the file driver might just be fine for everything because it is garbage collected. You should collected. just load like, test Laravel it. Laravel sessions are garbage collected. When... Yeah, just load test it. What's that? Just load test it and see how it feels. Yeah, it's hard to know. I should. You're right. I should throw up a server and load testing is... Yeah, I don't know. I should. I should do it. Um, but... So the thing I got hung up on was garbage collecting strategies, even in addition to Laravel's garbage collecting, because after the component is done, like after you go to a different page that has a different component, any data that other component stored in the session would linger until your whole session is destroyed. So I wanted something that garbage collected along the way. Um, And I've decided, I think I know the perfect thing for it. I had this wacky, wacky solution before. But now I think I'm just going to hook in to destroying of components before a page is left and write to local storage and just keep a running tab of what components have been destroyed and then just send that up to the server every once in a while. That makes sense. Yeah, it seems super simple. It's crazy how long of a road I journeyed on until I thought of that. I walk a lonely road, (laughs) the only one that I have ever known. This is a green day day. Mm. <laughs> you could have said it's a green day. So anyway, that, that is where Livewire currently stands for Caleb's Livewire Corner. I want to get this implemented and out there. And then then things will start 
picking up. I can like really tackle the things I want to tackle as far as marketing live wire and making it like rock solid. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's awesome, Caleb. I think I'm just going to be, be words of encouragement guy right now. I think you're going to land this plane. You're going to land this plane easily. You're going to you're going to ship it. People are going to love it. You're going to confidently recommend it and the people you confidently recommend it to are going to love it as well. Well, decal. Yeah. What a nice thing to say. Well, I am a nice person. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 man. I think that sounds good. Yep, yep. Oh, yep. One last thing before we go. Oh yeah, what you got? When we end this show, when uh-huh. I hit the stop button and you send uh-huh. me your audio file, uh huh, I am going to edit it in record time. Are you? How will I do this? I have written. Do you have a script? An Alfred command to edit No Plans oh, to Merge. Yeah. No, you have not. Yeah, it doesn't work like it doesn't do all the editing that would be phenomenal and i don't think we're Uh that far away from that but um but but i have an alfred command that takes away all the friction of this task that makes me procrastinate on editing this wow and the friction for me is anytime i have so what i have to do is create so i the the new folder app 20 whatever with the files Mm -hmm. in it what do i have to do i have to convert my audio to a wave yes. file yes i have to uh oh, well i have to take the template our like project template copy it over mm-hmm. to that folder um there's other things that i'm missing what else is there well you have to drag them both in i do have to drag them, them both in and oh man as i'm saying this it's so simple but i feel like there's more so what does your script do well anyway the script um it's just a big bash script that like detects the latest folder in the recordings folder so it like sorts them numerically um so it finds the latest one and then that's like the directory folder it does the ffmpeg conversion to wave for my file yes it uh copies over the project template um to its new thing and it opens it opens the thing in Finder, the folder, the project folder in Finder. It opens Simplecast's create new episode page, and it opens Studio One to that project. That's pretty dope. So then all I have to do is drag the two pieces of audio in. Drag, drag. And because up, we up. click at the same time, I drag them both all the way to the left, and all the audio is synced. Uh huh. And I don't have to clip out the beginning because we start talking right away. Yeah. We don't. I don't have to cut anything. <laughs> like. We don't, for the listener, there's zero editing with this podcast. Like, Except for the music, right? You, you have to, I have to you align have to make a break for the music. When the music fades in the beginning. Yep. And then I have to drag the outro music to the proper spot. And then drag and the it. little end marker to the end of the whole thing. Wow. And then I hit Man, export. This could down. be a script using whatever Adam's little thing is. What's this? You know how Adam has that tool that he calls Vim for audio editing? No. Look at his uses page. Go on adamwathen.com slash uses. Dot me slash uses, I think. Whatever. I I said that like I was correcting you, but it corrected me. 
Um, let's see here. I'm just gonna search design Vim. hosting productivity. There's Vimeo business. Reaper. Um, well, yeah, it's not a command line thing, right? No, no, no. Oh, but yeah. he he said he has like uh, that he has it like scripted and stuff. Ah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know he so, uses Reaper, and I know he's a wizard in it because he used to do a bunch of audio stuff. Um, there's got to be a good command line audio editor. Editor? Right? Yeah. That sure. would be legit. That would yeah. be Yeah, so, so, like, my task is, I mean, I know the entry point. There's no editing. I know the entry point, and the only thing that requires my brain would be where to put the outro music where to do the outro music but if we got better about that and said like cue outro music now and And then then we we both stopped our recordings yes then you could just take the first recording stop put the outro music put that cap at the end export it oh man and if simplecast offered an api this now let's think about this caleb the one thing that could really mess this up is one of us is going to do something that requires us to pause the podcast in the middle for some reason, right? Someone will come to the door or something, mm-hmm. and then a burning resentment will well up within you because <laughs> this will no longer be an automatable podcast. This will now be a podcast that requires the brain of a person. And I don't know that I want to have that sort of a conflict relationship with you, Caleb. Oh, boy. You're absolutely right. It's very true. Even mm-hmm. now... I mean, I I am equally as at risk as you are for disrupting the podcast. Who isn't these days? Who isn't? Um, but yeah, that's a huge bummer. And it would only yeah. become a much, much bigger bummer. Yeah. Well, then what we would have to do is build in. So well, the thing I try to do when anything like that happens, I look at the timestamp on QuickTime and I write it down on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. so that i don't have to listen to the podcast so i can just yep look at the timestamp yep. so there should be a command line option that's like timestamp beginning and end to like remove no it needs human because you have to find like the gaps oh yeah. oh dude i'm side thing oh we didn't even hype honey badger in back place oh my gosh let's do it right now oh my gosh this episode Wow, did we really just get get to talking like that? Yeah, we did. We were just forget so... to even thank the people who make <laughs> this thing possible. Oh boy! Oh oh boy! Backblaze, 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 backblaze. Wait, Caleb, is this you... super lame for the people sponsoring us that their sponsorship is at the end? Yeah, we should chop it in. I'll chop it in. We're gonna leave the stuff we're saying right now. Yeah, we'll chop this point you know what i'm gonna write down the time stamp (laughs) (laughs) so the times this is hilarious dude i don't even have a pen on me all right this is so good the times it's 54 24 so 54 20 all right i'm gonna say the time stamp and then after we're gonna plug one minute each backblaze and honey badger all right uh i'll do backblaze you do honey badger okay you start backblaze first then we'll do Honey Badger. All right, I'm going to give us a, a brief moment of silence before I start Backblaze, so it'll be an easier cut. Okay, let's do the cut exactly at 55. Okay, Great. so we'll talk 
for six seconds. As we talk, the seconds are... Yep. Dugga, dugga, dugga. Okay, and it is 59.30, and we are back to the other part of the show. <laughs> that. Uh... Oh, man. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what ethereal music you put in between that cut. Because you grew up in Japan, was Nintendo way more popular? I mean, it's pretty popular. I don't know how popular it was here. I mean, it was pretty popular. It was also pretty popular there. But, like, did you have access to games before we did? We had access to different games. Like, you you got Smash the Bros. Games, first, right? That that was PlayStation, but the Tekken games we had access to before you did. Smash Bros. is Nintendo. No, I know. But I'm saying, specifically, on PlayStation, the Tekken games gotcha. we did have access to early. Okay. Um, I don't know about any Nintendo games and the, the timeline of their release in America. <sighs> Gotcha. PlayStation is Japanese? Yeah, Sony, bro. Sony. Her name is Sony. <laughs> Her name is Sony. Uh, She's got a black belt in karate. <laughs> yeah. So Dude, that song is incredible. What? Yushimi Battles the Pink Dragons or Pink Robots. Wait a second. Uh, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots by the Flaming Lips. Did you think I was referencing something? By them? Yes. That's funny. I was referencing a Family Guy quote. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> Her name is Sony. Oh, it's too, like, uh, see, I don't know how offensive this is going to be if anybody here lives in a trailer park. But two people who live in a trailer park <laughs> fighting over a DVD player. <laughs> oh. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just going to leave it at that. I can okay. say why. Anybody who's seen the episode is probably laughing right now. Yeah, I could tell you were referencing something else I didn't know. Right. But the way yeah. you said it just made me want to sing Flaming Lips. And they actually say her name is Sony? No, her name is Yoshimi. <laughs> Her name is Yoshimi. She's got a black belt in karate. Well, there you go. There you go. I discovered a new band that I'm hooked on called Dance Gavin Dance. Dance Gavin Dance. Is there a comma in the name? No. I don't think so. But they're phenomenal. If anybody likes. Oh, yeah. They're they're post-hardcore, which I don't know what that means. But, I know what that means. It okay. Seosin. What does it mean? I can tell you like several bands from 20, 2010, 2008, 2010 that are post hardcore. Okay. List them. Um, it's kind of like pop punk hardcore. Right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. So you like can underworld. see why I'm drawn to it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm into it. Yeah. So it is Seosin. like that. They... Well, I was real into Seosin. Oh, Seosin, yeah. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So then I guess they would be, but they, Tim, yeah, it would be like Seosin. They do remind me of Seosin, Sleeping with Sirens, um, 
they kind of sound like Anne Berlin, but more hardcore. Mm-hmm. I was into Anne Berlin. What's that? I was into Anne Berlin. Were you? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I was too. I am. I like them. There's um, a lot of music that I stopped being into after one album, and I've not checked in with those people again. Yeah. And Anne Berlin is one of those. Yeah. They could be great. I just haven't listened to them since 2008. I definitely am not. They're not in my list of bands that's like, you know like every album digested and sure. continued to digest um yeah oh we went and saw so that's that charlotte and i we went charlotte and i went to see pedro the lion and me without you oh yeah you said that at the Thank orange peel here it was incredible was it but we also left early and bought a poster because we're old <laughs> that's awesome that's... we uh the guy who sold us the poster was singing along very like passionately while we were buying the poster and (laughs) leaving early at the same time nice like i like this show so much that i'm gonna buy this poster but not so much (laughs) that i'm gonna continue to be here (laughs) (laughs) that's right just to look like you're the kind of guy who would want to continue to be there yeah exactly (laughs) it was a really well-designed poster that's why i bought it it was pretty that's great a good poster is great i tell yeah. you what i tell you i what. tell you what one of my secret ambitions is to make like sweet beautiful programming posters that people would want in their office and sell them with like nice mats and like nice sleek frames that seems like an achievable goal for sticker wizard caleb porzio yeah stickers is just the first that was just my tripwire product next it's yeah, going to be it's like the low margin it's going to be tapestries ooh le tapestry patisserie uh-huh. that's right sure so decol that is all she wrote is it right. i am going to send out an email today or sunday called the caleb digest just want well. you all to know um Basically, I've been thinking, what's better? Is it better to have specific emails about specific things? Like I've considered maybe instead of like dealing with writing um, email subjects, maybe I should just number my emails and just say like newsletter number one, number two. So that if you like the content, you will open the email and read the content. If you don't, you won't. And it's not up to me to like try to tease you into it with a good subject line. But how will they know what the content is? They'll have to look at the email. So how, but your thing is if they like the content, they will open the email. But if they don't know what the content is until they open the email, how will they know whether or not they like the content? Right. They, I have to build a a reputation of good content. Ah, if they liked the previous content. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Gotcha. I thought the point of a subject line was to reveal the nature of the content to allow the user to judge whether or not they liked the content. Yeah, exactly. But the problem with that is every single email I write, I have to fix. Well, the subject line matters so much. So I have to be like, I write something like, oh, is this too many things? Or, oh, maybe this isn't enough. Or maybe this isn't something that's like powerful or punchy enough. Maybe I shouldn't write this email. That's what it ends up being for me. And really, there's a lot I want to say. And I want to say it succinctly. And I, so I'm thinking like the Caleb Digest, it'll have like philosophy corner, 
where I just say some random like philosophical thought I have, if I have it, and if it's worth saying. Um, <laughs> like a bunch of random updates, <laughs> so like caveats. here's tweets, here's no plans to merge, um, and then like thought, so maybe a thought piece or two, maybe a um, like a tip or two, something like that. And then cool. some general updates, like live wire corner, that sort of thing. Um, quick update that I don't want to get super into today, but next week we can talk about a lot. I'm going to find out whether I have ADHD on Wednesday. Oh, and I probably do. So my life could get way more productive soon. Maybe that's an interesting thought. Interesting. Yes. Way more productive because s- you'll be on like Ritalin or amphetamines? Some probably on something, although they do have non-stimulant ADHD medication now. Gotcha. Which is exciting. Um, but yeah. It's I don't not know. exciting. Right. That's the whole thing. <laughs> My therapist like talked to me like every week for like two months and then was like, uh, anyone ever tell you you have ADHD? <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, but I've been suspicious. And he was like, all right, here's the deal. Uh, you're going to go talk to this lady. She's going to tell you whether or not you have ADHD. Here's her number. Um, so Is this going to be like how like Myers-Briggs just reflects like what you want to be? They'll be like, do you find yourself distracted at times? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like all the things about me, though. Like the no sleep, the like insane spurts of work followed by like making a lot of commitments i don't live up to (laughs) (laughs) all of those things yeah so i don't know but it's funny to find out to find out whether or not you have adhd you have to fill out 55 pages of true or false (laughs) which seems like a (laughs) no one ever finishes (laughs) which seems like impossible so by wednesday i will have filled out 55 pages of true or false questions that's awesome that's great. Well, I hope you find the help you need, Decole. Yeah. I'm uh, super interested to see how this goes. Yep. I bet it affects way more people than than we know. Yeah. I bet. I bet. I do bet on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I booked a fly fishing trip yesterday. What? It's happening. I'm going You're to Colorado. Fly while fishing? Are you gonna fly to fishing? I'm gonna fly to, to fishing, Colorado, and then fly fish in Colorado. Hmm. It feels like the first you will fly, big boy the fish will fly. What are you saying? Nothing. Nothing. Continue. It <laughs> it feels like the first big boy outdoors trip I've ever taken. Like really, I do tons of outdoors trips in my whole life, but I've never like we're paying a guy flown somewhere. that's why it feels big boy we're paying a guide to teach us how to fly fish and to fly fish with us in the rock so we're like going to the best place you can go to fly fish without knowing how to fly fish well that's what we normally would do (laughs) like that's what we were going to do and then oh right 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 without knowing how to fly fish yes and then paying a guy to so that you will by the time you leave know how to fly yeah yeah that sounds cool yeah yeah, I'm pumped. I always, like, heard of stuff like that. And, like, when people would say, like, oh, like, they have some trophy, like, bison or something or, like, a moose head on their wall. You're like, oh, oh, yeah, I got that up in Canada. You know, we went on a guide trip. I'm like, immediately, I'm like, oh, you paid someone to give you that, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is not true. That's not 
that doesn't invalidate defeat, but um, but it definitely you know. So I've always been like, oh well, just guides are for people who are rich and like don't care about learning things themselves. But but here I am. Beautiful. 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 All right, D. Cole. This has been one. This, this has, has been, been one. one a nice podcasts. little quick one, like we said. Yeah, nice. Just took no time at all. None at all. All right. Oh. Oh. Cue. Alrighty. The outro music. <laughs>